You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Welcome to today's Dietitian Connection podcast. My name is Marie Ferguson and I'm the Director of Dietitian Connection. I'll be your host for today's podcast. It's my pleasure to introduce Fiona Sutherland, our guest for today. Fiona is Director of the Mindful Dietitian and Potty Positive Australia and has been practicing for 15 years primarily in the areas of eating behavior, eating disorders, sports nutrition. Fiona is also currently the Nutrition Consultant at the Australian Ballet School and Racing Victoria's Jockey Apprenticeship Program. More recently, Fiona's developed a passion for mindfulness practice with a particular emphasis on mindful eating and the intersection of food environment, eating psychology and body image. And I know she's going to share with us lots of tips on being a mindful dietitian today. Thanks so much for joining us today, Fiona. We really appreciate it. Um, Might just get started with why did you actually choose to become a dietitian? Well, the truth is, Marie, that um, it wasn't something that I had really ever planned to do. Uh, During my teenage years, you know, when you're going into the uh, career counsellor's office and, um, you know, choosing your subjects, uh, I always wanted to be a physiotherapist. It's all I wanted to do. And I think that came from the fact that I probably spent half of my adolescence in the physiotherapist's office um, because the wonderful sport of gymnastics also gave me uh, some injuries. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yes, yes. So uh, that's really all I wanted to do. And then uh, I, I didn't pay attention to my parents who said, you need to think about what happens if you don't get into physio. So I thought, oh, hopefully I will get in. So I'll, I'll just put science second and, you know, then I'll try and get in after first year and, had all the best intentions and unfortunately the year level that I went through, the um, results just skyrocketed in terms of um, the marks that you had to get to get into physio and I missed out. So huge, you know, learning curve and lesson um, to listen to my parents in other words. (laughs) Yeah. And so I embarked on a science degree at Melbourne University, which also introduced me to the wonderful world of um, pubs and um, alcohol, (laughs) unfortunately. So my first year of learning did not go the way I had envisioned. Um, However, I had a very good time. Um, So after that, a couple of years passed and then I was in my final year thinking, okay, so where am I going to head after this? I still had physio on the horizon, but... Um, a good friend of mine at the time, both of her parents were dietitians, and she that's all she wanted to do. And at the time, there, were, there was no undergraduate options. It was just a two-year master's degree at Deakin University. And so she had her sights set on that. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that, that could be interesting. And she was a good friend. And I thought, oh, that would be fun. And really, that was the mindset I was in at the time was I I had always loved food, but I wouldn't have described myself as a foodie. And certainly, I wasn't somebody who was um, over-focused on food. Um, I just saw it as kind of part of my life. Um, so kind of long story short, then I, I, I got into, um, dietetics at Deakin with this particular friend, um, and embarked on the two years master's degree. 
So that's kind of my journey into dietetics. So I guess you could say I'm an accidental dietitian in a way. <laughs> well, we're very glad that that happened. So the accident was well worth it. Um, and I know you've had a really interesting career path and journey since graduating as a dietitian. I wonder if you could briefly talk about some of the different experiences you've had thus far. Absolutely, more than happy to. So um, after graduating, I did the a sensible early 20s thing and took off to the UK and uh, I worked clinically there for almost two years and I had a very broad um, experience there in um, rural hospitals and look that was extremely valuable but what that also did was um, highlight that clinical work just wasn't for me it just didn't suit my um, way of practicing and the very brief encounters I had with all my patients um, wasn't it it wasn't for me and I and I really did feel that I enjoyed that experience it was certainly valuable um but I knew that there was something more that uh, a way of relating to people and working more in establishing relationships with people um I knew that was more my path um and actually it's interesting because I came I I then went and lived in Canada for two years after that. So I was gone from Australia for four years after graduating. And then in my um, two years in Canada, I did something completely different. I worked um, at the Rocky Mountain um, Outdoor Centre and I um, I taught outdoor education to teenagers. So that was a really different and amazing experience and had nothing to do with dietetics, um, but it taught me a lot about leadership, taught me a lot about communication, and a lot of the skills that I teach other students today, and I work a lot with young people as well, um, yeah, a lot of the skills that I use today I can directly attribute to those two years working in essentially youth leadership so I don't um, I don't discount those two years away from the profession and in fact I think I became um, you know much more inspired in terms of how I wanted to work with people as a result of that process. Yeah I think it's great to be able to have some you know different experiences outside of dietetics and can value add to what you do as a dietitian. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I say when, when um, you know, graduates or final year students say to me, you know, do you have any advice? I say, I say to them, look, you know, by all means, look for positions and, and create positions for yourself if and where you can. But look for things that in, enrich your, the way that you want to work with people. So just making sure that you are um, looking for roles and uh, responsibilities that align with your values, align with a vision for how you want to work as a dietitian. And it's actually really incredible how these skills can um, can really deepen your appreciation for um, people's experiences and can therefore really assist your uh, ability to work closely with people to enhance their well-being. Mm, definitely. And I know you've worked with quite a few different groups of um I don't know if you'd call them athletes. I know you've worked with jockeys and footballers in the Australian ballet. Could you touch on just a little bit of your experience there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I had so when I came home from Canada, 
I actually had changed my mind about being a dietitian. I thought I would do education and teaching and head maybe into um, and maybe environmental education or something like that. And um, my dad, um, my dad, who sadly is no longer with us, had this really good advice for me. He sat me down and he was not the kind of man to ever give direct advice um, traditionally. But in this instance, he sat me down and said, you know, do you, do you really want to give away this profession? I will remind you that you have a, 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 a hex debt <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and that is still to be paid off. Do you really, is this really what you want to do? You know, would it be worthwhile just giving it a go, um, you know, for the next however long? And if you still are not really feeling passionate about it, then, you know, then maybe embark on a different profession and that time I did listen (laughs) (laughs) you know I I ended up um I ended up working in a weight loss clinic specific weight loss clinic which I know you know me now Marie yes and this is all part of what has brought me to where I am now and of course I'm very anti-dieting and anti you know um deliberate weight loss and things like that so um but Um, At that time, I didn't know any different. My training had equipped me for the weight-based paradigm and for, you know, a lot of of my training had been really around helping people lose weight and, um, and, you know, essentially, you know, writing meal plans that were really diets. So I didn't know any different and I embarked on this and I felt extremely uncomfortable. I just knew that there was something not right about this way I was working, but I didn't understand it. I had no words for it. I didn't know what it was that I was doing that felt so incongruent with my values. Um, And so, and I didn't know anybody else who was feeling this way at all. So I felt very alone. I felt very isolated and I was very confused. which um, led me to um, come across the non-diet approach as we know it now, and this was Dr. Rick Korsman's book, mm-hmm. um, If Not Dieting, Then What, which is, you know, the original, really the original non-diet approach book. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, yes, right, this is exactly what, all these people, person after person after person, is telling me. They are telling me how lost they are feeling in this sea of body disconnection and diet after diet after failure after failure and just feeling worse and worse about themselves and really feeling confused and disconnected and um, ashamed, essentially. And it was my very first big aha moment where I was like, Okay, now I have a word for it. Now I have, I have something that makes sense to me. Now what? So do you know what I did, Marie? And I think I've shared this with you before. Yeah. I, I called Dr. Rick. Can you believe it? <laughs> Great step. Amazing, yeah, this amazing gentleman who has since become a good friend. Um, I just called him and reached out to him and I said hey essentially I think I said something along the lines of hey you know would you like to meet up for a coffee and to his credit such a generous man he said absolutely so 
I think, can if I interrupt you there, I think, you know, particularly a lot of our younger dietitians are often afraid to reach out, but I think as you experienced, most people are really generous and, and happy to, to meet and chat with you. So, I think if people can take that as a takeaway from today's podcast as well, as it would be a good one. Definitely reach out. I mean, my experience has been one of just people have been very generous, extremely generous with me, with their knowledge, with their experience, and most importantly, with their wisdom. And so I, to be honest, Marie, I really try hard to pass that generosity on because as as most of um, your listeners will know, as our colleagues will understand, you know, the non-diet approach and health at every size paradigms have become now a really common and popular um and I mean that in its in its most valuable term. I don't mean popular as in faddish, but um, something that a lot of dietitians are turning to now as a way of um, as a way of working. And I just try and pass that spirit on because when people are keen, then it's a great opportunity to um, add to your skill base. That's for sure. Definitely. So back to Dr. Rick. Back to Dr. Rick. Okay. So um, then I. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so this is where the funny bit comes in and where my – I've always been a bit of a rebel and you know this about me, Marie. <laughs> Which um, I love. Yeah, I've always been that person who um, who was a questioning and hence I was not the most popular dietetic student. Um, I was questioning everything at that point. I, I would I would like to think that it was in a in a respectful way because back then, 20 years ago, it was not the done thing to question your lecturers. It was really not – well mm-hmm. done at mm-hmm. all um you know and, and certainly when I go and present workshops at universities as I do these days I I say to students I want you to ask questions even the ones that feel like you're questioning me and questioning you know right. um, what I'm presenting I want you to ask these questions because it is only in asking questions that we can navigate our way through the complexity that is nutrition and that is eating behavior and that is humans really mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm a big inviter of questions because I think then it also makes me feel a little bit better about, mm-hmm. about questioning, um, you know. Yeah, and we don't have all the answers. That's exactly right, exactly right, yes. Um, so, uh, yes, back to, back to then. Uh, so I began to practice these non-diet skills with my patients at this weight loss clinic and, unfortunately, my boss found out about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, I was not fired as such, but I was, uh, I, I kind of made a bit of a hasty exit, I must admit, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I, it was very clear to me that the way I was practicing was not welcome um, and was not the way things were done. And, um, you know, it was also the time of, you know, um, prescribing supplements that were not evidence-based and I felt very deeply, deeply uncomfortable about that. And anyway, so that was quite an unpleasant experience in a way that actually strengthened my resolve to work in this particular way. And then that leads us on to more my foray into sport and eating disorders. So with regards to the sports side of things, and yes, at the moment um, I've been with the Australian Ballet and the Australian Ballet School for about 12 years now. Um, and with Racing Victoria's Apprentice Jockey Program, um, and I did work in AFL um, with Collingwood Football Club for five years during their, uh, I'd like to say their, uh, a couple of very quite successful years. I was going to say it was their heyday years. 
their heyday years yes absolutely so and of course it was all to do with nutrition that's right um so uh, my foray into sport really to be honest was serendipitous um I became quite involved with sports dietitians Australia um in its relatively early days when Karen Inge was at the helm um and Karen became a, a, you know a very valuable mentor for me and is somebody who I have deep respect for um and I began just to attend the meetings because I was very involved. I was very interested in sports, nutrition and performance and really wanted to head in that direction. Um, so I just began to kind of turn up to the meetings and, and learn from others, particularly people who were doing incredible things, you know, in very much the early days of the Victorian Institute of Sport and Sports Dietitians Australia. And as a result of really making connections and just making myself available to people, um, I began to have a few opportunities, which began as just small, smaller kind of opportunities, which um, became roles and jobs and and jobs that I'm doing to this day. So by serendipitous, I don't necessarily believe in just luck. I think that when you can put yourself in the right place and the right time crosses your path, I think that is serendipitous. Um, yeah, again, yeah, I think that's another really great point is, you know, it's volunteer work or even part-time work can often lead to bigger and greater opportunities. Absolutely, definitely. And certainly um, certainly the connections I've made with um, new, gra- new grad dietitians who are particularly keen in, say, for example, the non-diet approach or, or performance nutrition, I really try hard to give them opportunities which help them to, to learn. And there have been definitely times where those opportunities have turned into paid paid employment, um, either myself, either with myself or with other people, and I couldn't be happier. I think, you know, that's a way that we can all support each other in the profession and make our profession stronger, really. Um, exactly. You know, none, of us, none of us own any of it, really. Right. Right. Um, yeah, we, we we need to be a team, and um, and I've certainly found a lot of collegiality, particularly amongst sports dietitians. I'm a big fan of sports nutrition and mm-hmm. and of my colleagues in that particular um, field of work because I think something about we really understand that the science changes quite quickly, um, mm-hmm. and those of us who've been you know, sports dietitians for 10 or more years understand that, you know, the principles that we used to work with, that even they have, have changed mm-hmm. as our understanding of performance and performance nutrition has changed mm-hmm. to really move with the times. And I really admire that particular subgroup of dietitians because they're very humble and very open to the idea that things change. And what we understand as, in air quotes, the truth or the way things are done, um, you know, that, that changes over time too and we need to hold, um, hold these ideas quite lightly um, rather than hanging on too tight. Totally agree. And so how then did you come about the idea for the mindful dietitian? Oh, okay. So I always get my best ideas when I'm running. (laughs) And you know the best thing about that, Marie, is that I don't have a pen and paper with me, so it gives me time and Mm. space to figure out these ideas. 
Yeah, yes, exactly. Mm. So it gives me the time and space to figure out whether these ideas are going to fly or whether they're completely crap. Mm. <laughs> so um, I must say that probably 90 plus percent of my ideas are completely wild and really not, <laughs> they're not flyable. Yeah. But I do have ideas that I'm very passionate about and when I'm when I feel very inspired by an idea I will really dig deep and think how can I make this happen and what is it about this idea that really speaks to me about not only the person I want to be but also the dietitian I want to be and then how I can also share this with others um so the mindful dietitian, and I'll never forget a conversation I had with you, Marie, when I, when you said to me, so what do you want to call this idea that you have? And I said, I want to call it the mindful dietitian. And your response was priceless. <laughs> and and I, I don't know if you remember it, but I just remember thinking, yes, if Marie has that response, I think. We're on to something. I think I'm onto something here. Exactly. So really, um, you know, my, my journey to what is now called the mindful dietitian really began um, with my work in eating disorders. And I've been in this space for about 15 years now, um, working essentially with people with all different um, types of diagnosis of eating disorders. But the, the main um, common factor in the people that I work with is really a sense of disconnection from food, a sense of, you know, um, lots of guilt and shame and, um, and fear around food and eating and the body. And uh, a lot of the, a lot of this further study that I did, um, a lot of the supervision that I uh, that I embarked upon really taught me that uh, mindfulness and mindfulness practice was going to be key when it came to healing. And um, if there's one thing I know that that most people in this world, regardless of their relationship with food, we could all probably do with a little bit of healing. And um, so I began to embark on a mindfulness practice myself personally. So, um, so some of that was formal, so meditation, and some of it was informal, so understanding the idea of coming back to the present moment and being connected to what I was doing at any one time. And, um, and really it became a process of brain training, I guess you could say. And traditionally, I would have described myself as quite a mindless person, high energy and quite mindless, really, in lots of ways. So this way of training my brain and understanding the neuroscience behind it has been really valuable. And the more I started to practice mindfulness myself, the more I noticed how it transformed my practice. So I wasn't even really talking about it with my clients. I was just doing it myself. And then all of a sudden, I just, re not all of a sudden, that's not correct. Over time, I noticed that the way I was when I was with my clients and also in my personal life had changed and that I was able, my my degree of patience had changed, my ability to, um, you know, to maintain that sense of, um, you know, energy, um, but also be able to have an undercurrent of calm at the same time. I was able to cope when when 
life got tough. And, and so I've had some real tough moments, particularly over the past 20 years or so in my adult life. I've had some quite tough situations in my personal life I've had to overcome. And, um, and certainly having a mindfulness practice has really, really helped me both professionally and personally. So I suppose I was, you know, um, really um, drawing upon my own personal experience and and feeling that maybe this was something that could really enrich the professional practice of other dietitians. So then I suppose I began to explore more around mindful eating and then how I could integrate that into my professional practice. And that seemed the next most logical step. So um, I did, again, lots of reading, lots of I, – I basically soaked up everything I could in terms of um, further training and reading and everything I could do um, with regards to mindful eating and, uh, and intuitive eating. So, um, so my main aim with the Mindful t- Dietitian is really to um, help my colleagues um, uh, understand a little bit more about the benefits of mindfulness practice for ourselves and then also how we can learn the language and how we can translate that into conversations that we have with our clients. And how do you find the clients actually react to this mindful eating approach? Oh, to be honest, mate, they love it. Mm-hmm. They absolutely love it. And I will say that it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It, it's not easy, um, particularly when people have been, um, you know, for example, been dieting for long periods of time or really have, you know, if uh, lots of my clients say to me, I've, I feel like I've just forgotten how to eat. Mm. And the mindfulness-based approaches really are a way of helping people um, form a bridge between how they used to eat, even as children, and then how they can reconnect with a sense of feeling in charge of their eating choices and feeling connected in with their um, our natural body signals that can, you know, really give valuable feedback about when, where and how to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think um, people really like it, but a lot of people don't find it easy. And so that's why I guess I really impress upon when I'm when I'm doing workshops or presentations or webinars or or the like. I really um, try to stress that this is not a one stop shop. It is not a one size fits all, and it is certainly not a diet. Mm. <laughs> but in a process, it's, it's also a process for us. So how- how can dietitians, you know, start to incorporate it into their practice? Are there, are there different discussions they can have with clients or different exercises? What would be, you know, your thoughts on how dietitians could start incorporating this if they're not already doing it? Definitely. Okay. So my first top tip is to start to practice mindfulness yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, for other dietitians, I always say if you do not have a regular mindfulness practice, whether that is formal, in other words, meditation, um, and and honestly, you do not have to sit in lotus pose, like as in cross legs, for hours at a time. You really don't. Um, research has shown that as little as five to six minutes can help change your brain. You know, we're moving a, we're moving away from that really. Um, the, the stressful place in our brain called the, the limbic system, um, and we're able to cultivate strength in our frontal lobe, 
which is the part that of our brain that helps us to access um, rational thoughts and rational, you know, a, a rational side of things, and can help us to figure out um, complex ideas and can help us to clear away some of that confusion that stress can present to us. So my first tip for dietitians is start to establish a regular mindful practice yourself um, and start to understand a little bit about not you don't have to really understand the neuroscience of it, although, hello, I'm a, I'm a nerd and I like to understand <laughs> why, 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 why. <laughs> so I've never, you know, let that go um, because I think unless we are able to come to our practice with authenticity, we are just saying the words rather than um, understanding it from a deeper perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think mindfulness practice can give us that. And, I mean, what a gift. I mean, you know, to be able to do that in a couple of minutes a day and even uh, even one one tip I give people is be- between your clients or between seeing people in a ward, just take 30 seconds just to breathe. Mm-hmm. Breathe and just, just um, like recalibrate yourself, just recalibrate and then go to see the next person. Mm-hmm. It's something that's definitely new to me and I find the Headspace app, I think you've used that one as well. I find I find that really useful for anyone that's just starting out and is a, is a novice in the area. That's great. Headspace or um, Smiling Mind mm-hmm. is really good too. Um, and there's also an amazing free uh, meditation app called Insight Timer. Okay, great. Yeah, it's so- all the most amazing meditation teachers from all over the world. It's just all in one place. It's brilliant. Fantastic. And where where else can dietitians learn more about mindful eating? I know you obviously do a lot of training here in Australia, but I think there's some stuff overseas that you've been to. Sort of, can you give us some tips on who to follow and where to go for more information? Absolutely. So for for dietitians in particular, um, I would love to have more dietitians over on the Mindful Dietitian, um, which is just .com.au. And then um, I've also started a new closed Facebook group um, called, <laughs> quite aptly, The Mindful Dietitian. And um, that's, uh, we, oh gosh, there's been some amazing discussions there and some of the world's experts in mindful eating. So people like um, Evelyn Triboli and um, Marsha Hudnall, Megret Fletcher, um, uh, Christina Turner from Soul Nutrition in Byron Bay. So some of um, Australia and overseas, some of our most prominent mindful eating experts are all in the one spot. So if you're time poor but want to stay connected in with that, that Facebook group is great. Um, the other um, the other association that I'm um, involved with is the Centre for Mindful Eating, which is based in the States. So um, making sure that you spell centre with a T-E-R, not mm-hmm. a T-E-R-E. So that's just um, the Centre for Mindful Eating.org. Um, and that's um, the membership there is very low. And in fact, there's a lot of free stuff you can get there. Um, they're, they're, they hold regular webinars and workshops, and a lot of stuff is online because, of course, the audience is worldwide. Um, and then the other, um, the other thing I'd really recommend for dietitians is um, podcasts. So there are a handful that are actually run by dietitians and these are people who I really really admire in this space so there is there are people like um Christy Harrison who um who's who's 
podcast is called Food Psych. And then there is Julie Duffy Dillon, another dietitian from the States, whose podcast is called Love Food. And then the others, the other one that I really enjoy is Glennis Oyston and Aaron Flores, and their podcast is called Dietitians Unplugged. So they are three, four, actually, three podcasts and four dietitians doing some amazing work in mindful and intuitive eating um, that I would really recommend. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Fiona. We're getting close to being out of time. Is there any last comments you'd like to make around mindful eating or anything else? to our listeners? Uh, well, if I was to offer a couple of things to our colleagues, Marie, I guess I would, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're someone who's feeling lost or feeling like you're not sure where you belong in dietetics or if you belong in dietetics and things aren't making sense to you, then the one thing I'd say is you're not alone. Um, I felt exactly the same way and I cannot tell you how many people I have spoken to that have felt exactly the same way and that makes me feel like perhaps there are people who've dropped out of our profession because they felt like, oh, gosh, this is not for me, this wasn't what I thought or, mm. you know, it doesn't feel like a good match. But um, there is always a place for all dietitians. Um, of all shapes and sizes, we need diversity. We need size diversity. We need um, belief diversity. We need all kinds of different people in our profession. It can only make us stronger. Um, and, yeah, I think that's, that's probably the only other thing I wanted to say, except to say thank you so much, Marie, for your for just your incredible work and your contribution to our profession. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you today, Fiona. Thank you so much for sharing your journey as a dietitian and reaching out to other people in the profession and um, the work that you're doing with the Mindful Dietitian is fantastic. I think it's obviously a growing area and we've still got a lot to learn, but uh, you're definitely making headway and uh, obviously a lot of dietitians uh, feeling in a, a similar space. So, it's great to have somewhere for people to connect and um, have discussions around these topics. So, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom. Um, we will include some of the links uh, to the resources that you talked about today. And uh, we look forward to having you on a future Dietitian Connection podcast. Thank you so much, Marie. Have a great day. You too. Thank you as well to all the listeners for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, we love receiving your feedback and also would love to hear what you think of the show. So if you could leave a review for us and also pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends, it would be much appreciated. Thanks again and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast.